You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey, welcome. Uh, welcome, everybody. My name is Bill White. I am one of the pastors here at City Church of Long Beach. And uh, yeah, it's really, really great to be here with you. We want to extend a special welcome to all of our friends who are on Zoom. Uh, there is a family of churches that we are a part of. And there's a subgroup within that family of churches called Room for All, which has been advocating for uh, justice and inclusion of our LGBT siblings in Christ for a long time. And a lot of those folks are actually on Zoom with us right now at a conference of our family of churches. And so special welcome to you guys. Really, really great having you guys here. So uh, really nice to have you guys. Uh, City Church of Long Beach, we are a radically welcoming community on a journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. That's just, that's what we're about. That's who we are. Um, and we're not always particularly good at it, but we're, we're stumbling forward on that journey. And it's good to be, uh, it's good to be with you. It's good to be with all of you on that journey. Uh, if you would welcome with me our other pastor, Brenna Rubio as she comes and she harasses our poor children and some of our adults too yes yes we love to harass our children no no we love to care for our children it's something like that something in that range uh, it's so good to see everybody here this morning we have been talking over the last few weeks about happiness which is a complicated word for a lot of us, right? For some of us, it may feel a little bit like, well, you know, of course we would talk about happiness in church. I mean, obviously God wants us to be happy. God loves us. And for others of us, it's more like, no, happiness is not what we are supposed to talk about in church. You know, happiness, isn't that selfish? Isn't it somehow, you know, kind of, kind of secular? Um, and no, we've really been leaning in and saying, no, Jesus came that we, we might have life and have it to the full. Jesus came that we would flourish. And that's what happiness is, after all. So today, as we continue to lean into that conversation, we're going to be talking about kindness. And as I look around, and I see some of our kiddos here this morning, what I know about them is that they are kind people. Um, kids, just naturally, you know, there are some of these simple ways that they love to express their kindness. And so what I want to do this morning is just a show of hands. And kids, you are going to lead us in this. But adults, feel free to join in too. I'm going to name some ways that we could be kind in our everyday lives. And if you're like, yes, I do that sometimes, I would love for you to go ahead and to raise your hands. Uh, so a way, uh, we had a few answers written on the board as kids were coming in. Uh, and so one kid wrote down a way that they express kindness is that they try not to say mean words. Right? So it's what you try not to do. Is anybody try not to say mean words to be kind? Yes, that is a good idea to try not to say mean words. So there are things that we try not to do so that we can be kind. And then there are things that we try to do. So one of our kids said, well, I try to help others. Anybody try to help others to try and be kind? Yeah. Okay, so what are some of the ways we could try and help others? Um, for my own children, I've been hearing a lot about walking kids to the nurse. Um, this apparently is a really popular way to help other kids. Does anybody walk kids to the nurse? Yes, all right, we, we walk other children to the nurse. Um, do you ever 
help with homework. Like somebody doesn't understand the teacher's directions. Yes, and we have some students amongst our adults too are saying, yes, that is a way that we can be kind. We can help with homework. Um, how about giving somebody a turn, like with like art supplies that everybody wants, or maybe a turn on your favorite slide. Anybody give turns for like favorite toys? And come on, come people, the remote controls in your house, those count. Anybody give turns as a way of being kind? Okay, so there are all of these ways that we try to be kind. Kids, thank you for the ways that you lead us in kindness. We really appreciate that. Uh, our friend Wendy is gonna come up and lead us in prayer as we start our service today. Uh, prayer for the kiddos. And then kids, if you would like, we're gonna invite you to go over and listen to a story and do some crafts, but you're welcome to sit here with your parents and your family as well. But for right now, would you pray with us? Friend Wendy leads us. Good morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the beautiful weather today. Um, and we thank you for our kids. And I pray, Lord, right now that um, during this time that they would come to know you better, come to know you as a loving parent, a protector, and a savior. And we pray for the kids who are at home and the kids who go to Lafayette Elementary. Lord, protect them and keep them safe. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, Wendy. And if you're a kid, you are more than welcome to go with Wendy this way. You don't have to. You can hang out here with your families if you want, or you can go this way where there's some crafts and there's some other stuff like that if you would like to. And now we're going to transition. We're going to talk a little bit. Actually, I'm going to give this back. We're good. Um, so in this series where we're talking about... Um, Sorry, we're trying to get everything set up here. Um, kind of this, this blend between modern science and ancient wisdom when it comes to happiness and kind of this, this peace and a fullness of life that, that God has really inviting us into and how to think about that. We're gonna look at a passage of scripture today around this idea of kindness and in it, Jesus is speaking, it's at the end of the book of Matthew, and Jesus is telling all these stories about the end of the world and, and heaven and uh, kind of ultimate reality. It's, they're kind of weird stories, okay? And when you think about these, and, and some of us here have experience with the Bible and have read some of these stories before, some of us have not, okay? And, and that's fine, because around church, there are all kinds of people who are at all sorts of places on our spiritual journey, all right? So that's, that's just assumed here. But to give a little bit of context, Jesus is talking, when he's talking about heaven, he's not, we sort of have this cultural idea that heaven is this place that you get sort of um, sucked up into after you die. And like, oh, everything's now perfect. That's not really how Jesus describes it in his teaching. He talks about heaven as sort of a reality that he talks about eternal life. 
And eternal life is not something that starts after something else. Eternal life has always been. It's eternal, right? And so that means eternal life is going on right now, and that heaven is really more an awareness of that eternal life and a participation in it. Jesus uses this phrase, he talked about the kingdom of God being at hand, where God fully reigns and, and like God is boom right there. Sometimes around City Church, instead of using the, the phrase the kingdom of God, which in Jesus's time was this radical rephrasing, rethinking of reality, sometimes we'll talk about the kingdom of God, K-I-N-D-O-M this new family that Jesus makes. Another radical rethinking of what it means to be human and made in God's image. They're both great images of this new way of being where heaven and earth actually intersect and that we participate in the eternal right now. And so as Jesus is telling these stories about heaven, He's actually inviting us into it in the moment. And in this particular story, it's called a parable. Jesus is telling, it's, it's called the parable of the sheep and the goats. And some of you who are more religious may know that parable or be familiar with it. But what's so interesting is there are two titles given to Jesus at the beginning of the parable. In our reading, we're just going to hear one of them because we're going to start a little bit ways into it where it talks about the king. But just before that, it talks about Jesus as the human one. Sometimes uh, more traditional translations call it uh, the son of man. But literally, it's, it's, it's the human one. So it talks about Jesus being so human, just one of us. But then also, it uses this phrase, the king, like the royal one, the big time, the powerful. And it's again, it's this image of it's kind of like the image of, of heaven and earth. That Jesus is both the human one and the royal one at the same time. Just like the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of heaven are both happening at the same time. The now and the not yet of heaven, they're both here. That Jesus being human and divine are both at the same place. And so as Jesus is telling this story, he's inviting us into this new kind of life. This new kind of, hey, this is the new way that I'm inviting us all into. This new kingdom, this new kingdom, where heaven and earth intersect, where the divine and the human connect. So that's the story that we're about to hear. And it's all about finding Jesus along the way in human kindness. All right, so that's a little intro to where we're at today. That's not a little intro. It's a long intro, but I'm a preacher. What are you going to do? It's your own fault. You showed up. Uh, Joseph Vizi is going to read scripture for us today. If you'd welcome Joseph as he comes up. Oh, man. I'm tired already, and I just even get started. Here you go. Oh, you know what? We stand around City Church. If you're on Zoom, you can stand. That's fine. You don't have to. Uh, around here, we're going to stand. So, 
Matthew 25, verses 34 to 40. Then the king, Jesus, the human one, will say to those on his right, come who you are, blessed by my father. Take your, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these siblings of mine, you did for me. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So part of the reason we're talking about kindness today is because for researchers who study happiness, uh, it's one of the things that they say, hey, if you want to talk about tangible practices that are likely to improve your happiness, to help you flourish in the world, kindness is one of those things. So that's what we're engaging with. We're saying, okay, what is the conversation between happiness science and ancient wisdom as we find it in Jesus? And so we're going to talk about kindness. But here's the thing. I mean, I love the word kindness, but it gets translated for a lot of people into a very different word. A word that um, I have the same reaction to as some people have to the word moist. <laughs> that word, ew, right? So here's, I know, can you just, ugh. here's the word <laughs> that kindness gets translated into so often. Can you just be nice? Niceness. Oh, niceness is such a weak word. It's possible Bill and I have had a fight every once in a while because he's described me as nice to someone. And I'm like, dude, let's be clear. You're a lot nicer than me. Bad um, word. Don't, do not call Brenna Rubio nice. <laughs> niceness is a weak word. It's a weak description. So often what we mean when we say niceness is don't bother people right? Hold it all in. Don't say what you really think. Don't cause ripples. It's a passive word. Just be nice. And some people do think that's what it means to be Christian and to follow Jesus. Kindness has a lot more grit to it. Kindness is active. Kindness reaches out and it does stuff in the world. It serves. It loves, it gives. And so the reason we're looking at this particular passage today is because it's, it is such a gritty, practical illustration of what kindness can actually look like. What is this invitation into kindness? And so we're gonna talk about three possible kind of facets, qualities that true kindness might involve. So the first of them that we might see in this passage is the idea of generosity. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. Active words, giving, generosity as responsiveness to needs that we see, giving what we have so that we can lift other people up. Now, one thing, uh, you know, I have to, I'm going to say at the outset this time, because I realized it a little late in our sermon last week uh, when we were talking about, you know, gifts and living into your gifts. And some of you were worried we were about to bust out the clipboard and have you sign up to serve at things. As soon as I mentioned the word generosity, some of you are going like, oh, here it comes, the tithing sermon. <laughs> They're about to pass the offering plate and tell me I need to give to the church. Okay, friends, take a breath. We're fine. You know, that, 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 that's not what this sermon is. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about a way of life that Jesus is inviting you into in every community, every relationship you're part of, where you have something to give, might it lead to your flourishing to respond generously from that place to the needs that you see around you? Not what you don't have to give, no pressure to give that, but out of what you have to give, um, might it be to your flourishing to share from that place? So there are some studies actually on these things about giving. So one particular study, and Kevin can drop a link in the chat to a particular piece describing it in more detail for anybody who wants to look at that, uh, for those of you who are on Zoom in particular. Uh, but there's a study where they did, where they talked with people and they asked them to say like, okay, we want you to remember a time that you spent $20 on yourself for something that you just wanted. You know, maybe it was a nice meal, going out and getting your nails done, whatever it was, right? Like you spent $20 on yourself. How much did it boost your happiness? And they let people respond, you know, some sort of numerical scale. And then they asked, okay, now we want you to think of a time that you spent $20 on someone else, right? Could it be a friend, family member, um, someone you just, a, a stranger, right? But you spent $20 on someone else to respond to a need of theirs that you saw. Now, how happy did it make you? And the results were significant. It was so much more happiness generating to spend on others. And it's so, what was even more interesting was that then they asked, you know, kind of a follow-up question, like, and, and how likely are you to be generous in the future? And because of this happiness boost, there was a sense of like, I enjoyed that so much that absolutely, I wanna be more generous. Being a generous, a kind person boosted happiness. So a kind person is happy, but then this happy person is actually more motivated to be kind in the future. There's this feedback loop, it just kind of keeps building on itself. And as I think about this, particularly in this passage, you know, I think, man, Jesus is talking to a group of people that they have real need. And I don't want to diminish that, right? That part of what Jesus is talking about is he's saying, hey, we're all in the struggle together, right? We all have known hunger. We've all known thirst. We've all known what it is to have threadbare clothes, to not have a jacket when the colder weather is coming. And we can help each other. Let's, let's be real. Like, these are actual critical needs, and we're invited into these places. So I don't want to lose that. I don't want to weaken it. And yet there is, part of me goes, and I also think there is something to talking about generosity of spirit. Other places in scripture where the description is of mourning with those who mourn, 
rejoicing with those who rejoice, ways that we're just generous in entering in with people. You know, if, for me, I think of it as um, I'm an introvert, right? So I have all of these thoughts inside my head and, and I don't necessarily share them all the time. So maybe I'm walking down the street and I see, you know, a parent and child and they're just, they just make me smile. There's just so much love in the relationship. There's so much goodness and, and, and I'm smiling on the inside. Could I actually be kind and reflect that outwards? Could I, for me as an introvert, would it be a spiritual discipline for me to try to say it more often, like, wow, I see you with your child and it makes me smile. You're doing such a great job. And as a parent myself, I wouldn't mind someone saying that to me sometimes. Sometimes I have, <laughs> I have some poverty in spirit as a parent. Um, you know, what, how, what are the different ways that we get to embody generosity in our everyday life? And how can that be spiritual practice? Thanks, Brenna. So there, she mentioned three words uh, to think about kindness with grit, right? Generosity. Uh, second one she mentioned was hospitality. And uh, as it turns out, our, our culture is not particularly hospitable. Um, you know, th this passage talks about this form of kindness, right? It, it Jesus says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. That's a form of active kindness. It's called hospitality. Uh, in a recent study of American values, uh, they realized it would be helpful to look at uh, different religious subgroups and how subgroups looked at values. And they decided to look at uh, how different religious groups treated this idea of welcoming strangers, particularly around the idea of welcoming those who are strangers from a different country, so immigrants. And as it turns out, white evangelicals at a rate of 67% treat immigrants or think of immigrants as a threat that sh they should not be welcomed. That the most welcoming group actually are non-religious people. And just above that are religious people who are people of color and who are not evangelicals. This is my culture, friends. This is my culture that we're talking about. A non-welcoming culture. When, when this book that we love is full, is full of immigrants, full of strangers who had to be welcomed in or whose lives were, were at risk. I mean, it starts off with, with Abraham and Sarah, right? The, the, the grandparents of our faith and, and Hagar, she's an immigrant also. Right, and just straight down the line. I mean, Isaac, Rebecca, both of them, Joseph, all, all, of, all of Joseph's kindred, right? Moses, Miriam, all 12 tribes of Israel, all of them were immigrants. Everyone, David was an immigrant, remember that story? 
in Philistia. I mean, all the way through this book, Mary and Joseph, they were immigrants. Jesus was an immigrant. Oh, that's right. It's a book about immigrants. And yet, my people, two-thirds of us say, no, we, we don't welcome the immigrant. They're, they're a threat. Jesus says, no, this is what kindness looks like. It says, no, you, you bring people in to what is yours. And when you do so, that's, that's me. And we got to think about it. Yeah, there's all sorts of, like, I don't, I don't understand immigration policy. And within this gathering and online, there are 100 different approaches, right? So I'm not, I'm not standing up here saying I've got some solution. I'm talking about some attitudes an active kindness. And what does it look like for us? What does it look like for us this week? You know, uh, the Barna Group, which is a large Christian polling organization, they did this huge study. This was, this was like three years ago. And they spent months saying, okay, we're coming out. We found some super crazy results about how you help your children grow spiritually. Um, they're really interesting. They're super crazy. We're going to let you know in a few months, but just get emotionally prepared for this. For like months, they started telling the evangelical church, like, hey, these results are coming out. We want to let you know in advance, like, just kind of, you know, get your therapist hat on, you know? Like, go to see your therapist before we let the results out. For months. And then, boom, they drop the truth of this huge, like, 10, 20-year study. And what does it show? that Bible study and prayer are not the answer to helping your children grow spiritually. They're helpful. But there's a core component. If you want your children to grow spiritually and actually love God and love people, and it's super simple, that's, that's a helpful component. But the other component is you need to have people for dinner. That's it. Is that weird? And they're like, they spent like six months preparing the evangelical world for this like bombshell. But literally they're like, you need strangers for dinner. And they start unpacking like what a stranger is. Stranger is someone where they're not your family. Oh, stranger is someone who might have a different ethnic background than you. Oh, stranger is someone who may not share your religious beliefs. Oh, wow. Weird. I mean, and they just literally unpack this, like, let baby steps, let hold your hand. Like, this is what it takes to understand. But they found that literally having strangers for dinner was the other major correlation to children growing spiritually into adulthood. Because they learned how to integrate their faith in real conversation with real people and love across differences. It's called hospitality, and maybe they met Jesus. This is what kindness is in the real world. I love that. Because not all of us here, not all of us here have kids. All of us are growing up spiritually, aren't we? Right? 
So it's not even just about like, man, how do we help our kids learn about God? But in the places in our own heart where we're being reparented spiritually, where we're still growing up. And, and that is true of each of us here, whether you are 10 or 70, we're still growing up, right? We say, like, it's not just about coming to church on Sunday. Not just about reading your Bible and praying. Have you had anyone for dinner this week? Or met him in a park? You know, whatever's COVID safe, right? How are we welcoming the stranger? How are we practicing hospitality? This is part of what flourishing looks like. Here's the last word uh, when we think about kindness. Our friend Cornell West, public theologian, says that what love looks like in public, we call that justice. So what kindness looks like in public, we call justice. Towards the end, the people are responding back to Jesus and his story. And he says, because he's just predicting the pushback, right? Not that, not that religious teachers ever get any pushback, and hey, they deserve a lot of it. We deserve a lot of it. But oh, he's imagining the pushback that he might receive. When did, we, when did we invite you to dinner, Jesus? When did we give you clothes? When did you, we give you a drink? We didn't do that, did we? Whatever you did for the least of my siblings, you did for me. We talk all the time about Jesus centering the margins. The margins is where Jesus goes. The margins, the people who are not on the radars of the powerful, that is where Jesus aligns himself all the time, over and over again in scripture. But in this passage, he's not even just saying like, that's where I go. He's saying, that's who I am. You wanna know what I look like? You wanna know who I am? I'm the least of these. I'm the woman who's sick and has been outcast and shunned. I'm the leper who nobody wants to touch. I'm the poor person who's not sure where their next meal is coming from. I'm the immigrant who's trying to figure out work without papers. I'm all of these people. So you want to connect with me? This is where you'll find me. This is how you'll know me. This is how you'll see me. Kat Armas, who's the author of Abuelita Faith, which a number of us are reading together this fall, writes this. In our human likeness, it's essential to understand that where the imago dei, the image of God, is degraded or humiliated in one of us, so it is for all of us. Jesus says, this is our community. I look like this. So if you violate the imago dei in that person, man, we're violating it in all of us. One of the things that I especially love um, about this picture is so often I see Jesus as the great rescuer, right? Jesus is this ultimate example of the active, the active giver, the active lover, the, the hospitable one. Jesus is the one who does and shows me how to do. Here Jesus is saying, I'm also the one who receives. I'm also the one who needs. I'm the one who is poor. I'm the one who is broken. 
So when I think about true justice, when I think about this picture of kingdom that we talked about, a term we, we borrow from Muhurista theology, it's real relationship, right? It's not one person doing the giving, one person doing the receiving. It's, it's all of us together saying, how do we love each other well? How do we honor each other? How do we exist in relationships of mutuality and care? This is what Jesus is inviting us into in our everyday lives and in our everyday communities. It's the work of justice. Such a good word. Thanks, friend. Um, we're, I'd like to invite VJ Backrew. Uh, VJ, where are you hiding? Right here. Come on up. Oh, there you are. Up front. Right up front. You can, no, you can bring your puppy doll if you want. That's okay. All right. Fine. Okay. You're not going to. Okay. That's good. Your emotional support stuffed animal. Um, so uh, we've been having different people share stories along the journey for those of you who are new today or on Zoom. Uh, and so we were... Well, let's start with you, VJ. Just tell us a little bit. How long have you been around City Church? You've been around City Church for a while now. I think uh, you're like one of the old guys. I think uh, my family and I old. Uh, thanks. Uh, uh, we like we like people who have more age. That's a that's a gift. Uh, well, I think my family and I are going on three and a half years, four years, something like that. All right. Yeah, four so, years in the spring, I think. That's great. That's a good thing. So. Um, so we've been having different people share stories along the lines of the things that we've been learning each week. And, um, and, and VJ, uh, I would say he's a friend of mine, and so it's okay to poke fun at your friends, I, I hope. Um, so Brent and I were talking about like, hey, who can we share about kind, you know, have share a little bit about kindness? And we, we named a number of people who are like, oh, they're so kind, but it'll be kind of awkward to have them come up and just be so kind. And we're like, we need someone who doesn't immediately appear very kind. And I was like, oh, dude, BJ. And we were just sort of a natural pick, right? Um, I mean, BJ's a lawyer, you know. So was kindness, a, I, this is actually a serious question. Uh, <laughs> was kindness a word that was used to describe you growing up? Or were there other words that were more primarily used to describe you? No, no, not, I don't even think kindness is a word that you would use to describe me now. Okay, uh, okay, all right, well, like I just want I was, I was trying to calibrate whether I guessed right. You know? No, okay. no, all right. No, I, I think that's, uh, honestly, I think that's because for me growing up, uh, just the environment that I grew up in was very, kindness was very transactional. Kindness was not free. So I think I, that was just. What, what do you mean? Tr kindness was transactional. I, that, I think that's going to be super helpful for us to understand, but I, tell us just a little bit what, what does that mean? Well, I just didn't, I, I didn't come from a very kind environment, and when it was kind, there was a reason. And so you just kind of like, and I, as you get older in that environment, you understand and learn that it's conditional and that it can be revoked at any time for any reason. So you regard it as suspect. Okay, I, boy, thank you. Um, so that's a little bit that that paints a picture. And so now you you go through law school. You're kind of an achiever. I mean, yeah. you got some drive, right? Um, and you would say people wouldn't necessarily use the word to describe you as kind. No. 
But would you not agree that you have grown in the area of kindness? Yes, because I think I figured out a way with a lot of help from my wife and community here. I think I've recently in the last two or three years figured out a way to be kind uh, without really having to talk about it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh man, the, the, the talkers like me are like, oh man, what? Um, that's great. So I wonder what your wife thinks about that, but well, his wife's well, we a should, therapist. We can talk about that too. So. Okay, all right, anyway. Um, what, tell me, what is kindness, what does it look like for you these days? What, give me an example for you when someone is, what does it look like when your family is kind to you, mm -hmm. like your daughters and your wife, and what does it look like for you to demonstrate kindness to them or to someone else? Yeah, so I think one of the ways that I am able to be kind is that I think very small. So professionally, I think very big and very complicated. But for me in my personal life, I try to focus and think very small. Uh, and that's just a way for me to process and understand like the things that are happening around me, which are often overwhelming. Uh, so in ways that I'm kind with my kids, I try to be very conscientious it's I, I just like aim small, miss small, you know, I try to be very conscientious about just showing up and being present and being in a positive state of mind and just um, being openly kind and not having them. I can tell when my interaction with my children is free and when it's Condi conditional yeah. and and okay. i try very hard to just stay in the free in the space. free zone yeah that's yeah. and that that's and you can see that about, with bj yeah. you can see how he pays attention to his children when they talk to him he actually is paying attention it's beautiful it's a it's a thing of beauty um how do you receive kindness not well <laughs> I, no. see this is why we picked bj right like some of you nice people out there, you're just like amazing. But BJ, like this is the real stuff, right? But no, you you do receive kindness, like, like when it does get in. Uh, um, I honestly don't know. I I, I okay, don't know. That's I, fair. That's fair. There are some things that work for me that make me feel good, and I just try to focus on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. I don't do very well with. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We're 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 all learning. We're growing. Trying to let let in the goodness. I get it. Um, so tell us just a little bit about this idea of justice. It seems like it actually matters to you. Yeah, and it it matters to me in small, tangible ways that I can actually contribute and and do things. Like so, for me, being kind is like uh, participating in the food pantry during the heart of the pandemic, where it was like, hey. Maybe we could get this food pantry up and going. Someone lent us their garage. Let's stock it. And I, I have a, a background in the grocery industry, and I simply cannot tolerate the idea of people going hungry, especially right. here in the United States. It's just unconscionable. The amount of food waste we have is crazy. Right. So stocking the food pantry, and then that much that kind of grew into like, hey, would you do one delivery a week? Well, if you're doing one, you can easily do two. And what's the difference between two and three? And so it just goes like that. Yeah. yeah. He was a star delivery in the in the height of the pandemic. Like, give and you might DJ. as well and you might as well stock up the pantry on the way there, right? Yeah, so right. go to the store, stock up the pantry, sort out the bags for two or three families, and go get it. I can do that. I can physically, tangibly do that. Yeah. And this is this is a very practical way that kindness looks like for you. So 
Yeah. Um, hey, I want to I want to close out, but tell us. I, and I'm not, I'm not sure what your answer is, and you don't share any, you don't have to share anything you don't want to. But in terms of your spiritual journey, like I know you've been, you, your your trajectory has been long, and it's been a long, slow curve. Yeah. Right. Coming out of your background, some Hinduism, some atheism, some agnosticism. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Do you have a sense of can you articulate where you are now? Would you like to? Would you prefer not to? It's fine. Uh, I, I'd say it's complicated. Uh, um, <laughs> lawyers. Lawyers. <laughs> well, no, the lawyer answer is it depends. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I, I would say it's complicated. There, there are things that are like actively happening. Um, that are growing within me like a deeper sense of spirituality. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what it's. I must. I'm a, a a much better person in all facets of, facets of my life when I'm uh, trying to be spiritually involved and plugged in and, and trying to grow spiritually. So mm -hmm. like recently that like that meant um, you, you know like earlier in the pandemic we lost uh, my mother-in-law yeah. and uh, one of the ways I dealt with it was um, I started taking some of her favorite gospel music and listening to it. Right. And then I just uh, actually made a playlist out of it. Wow. Um, and then I turned that playlist into a running playlist. And now I'm like running further and faster, <laughs> stronger uh, because of this playlist. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. BJ Backroom. Man, BJ, that was that was a delight. Thank you for just sharing honestly from your heart. Um, that is the closing. I mean, this this is all we're inviting you to do this week is to sort of follow BJ's example and and step into the small things of kindness. Let it be really small. We're not asking you to go save the world by yourself. None of us get to do that. What's the, what's the small thing that you could do? Maybe every day, maybe it looks different every day. Experiment. Today I invite someone for a cup of coffee, you know, and tomorrow I, I give 20 bucks to a cause that really matters to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but would you be present to yourself? Would you be present? to that child that, that God is actually inviting to grow up and to flourish. <laughs>